Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, good morning. It's great to see you guys. Thought I'd share with you a really important piece of information about me. I got a piece of mail recently that just made my day. Like, I went to the mailbox, got this postcard, and it was, like, amazing. It was a jury summons. And so I get this jury summons, and so what do you do when you get a jury summons? You look what group you are, because you're hoping you don't have to report. You with me? Okay. So I get the jury summons, I look at the other side, and I look at my group, and I'm group four. Which means you're going to report. So I call on, I actually didn't call, I looked on the website on Sunday night, and I didn't have to report on Monday. I'm like, yes! Tuesday, I don't have to report. Wednesday, I don't have to report. Thursday, I got to report. Sweet! I'm thinking, no big deal. I'll be there a half a day. They'll kick me out. They won't want me as a juror, so it'll be wonderful. I'll be gone by lunchtime. In fact, I said that to somebody that's there, one of the potential jurors as well. I said, ah, oh, no problem. I'm going to be out of here by noontime. They're not going to want me. They're going to kick me out. I mean, I've got a few strikes against me. One of preacher. Number two, my brother is an Osage County Sheriff's deputy. Right? So that's, that's kind of a big deal. So anyway, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I'm going to be punched out of here, no big deal. And so then they start asking questions. So I'm part of the jury pool. I'm number four of the potential 24. And they start asking questions after we've introduced ourselves. And I'm listening to some of the answers and I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. I am going to be chosen, which is one of the times in life you don't want to be chosen, right? It's just, it's just the way this works. I know I'm doing my civic duty. I understand, but I didn't have time for this. So I'm chosen because I can just see it coming. Like, I know this is not ending well for me, but here's the deal. Oh, the defense attorney asked me a question. She said, you know, your brother's an Osage County Sheriff's deputy. How do you feel about law enforcement? My simple answer was, the same way I feel about the rest of humanity. That's all I said. That's miraculous in of itself. Preacher, one, one sentence answer. We're like, you know, the response, the response from the judge and the defense attorney was both laughter. And they say, well, tell us more. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll be glad to. And so I said, you know, I mean, oftentimes we as people want to do good things. But we're also prone to mistakes. The defense attorney says, so see what you're saying is, is we're all fallible. Yeah, nice word. I like that one. Pretty good. I didn't tell her that was a very good theological word. I just, you know, just thought, well, you know, we're, we're there. So anyway, that's the story. I'm, like, I'm thinking, I sealed my own fate. 
I could have answered crazy like the people were like, he's guilty already. Like, this is during jury selection. I'm like, this is, this, this is not the way our system works, people. I'm thinking, the defense attorney literally got four people kicked out of the jury pool for cause. And then as they're checking people off and going back and forth, if you've ever done it, you, you know. Yeah. I got to stay. It was wonderful. Time of my life. <laughs> there was some redemptive value in the whole thing. We'll get there eventually, maybe. I'll figure it out. I, I don't know. Opening statement of the trial by the defense attorney. My client is clearly guilty. Oh, this is going to be fun. My client is clearly guilty, but not guilty of what he's been charged. It was a shoplifting case. The question was, was he guilty of shoplifting over $50 or guilty of shoplifting under $50? I know you're sitting here thinking, seriously? That's going to jury trial? Yes, and it mattered. But here we find ourselves today in the same situation, basically in a courtroom. And I want you for just a moment to think in terms of a courtroom. Because the book of Hosea, God is making His case against the nation of Israel. This moment we're going to read basically states the case of what God has against the nation of Israel. And so if we go to Hosea chapter 4, and we read verse 1, it says this. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. God, through the preaching of Hosea, makes His case. Hosea is making the case for God. He is saying, look, nation of Israel, you're guilty. Clearly guilty. But they don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit that they're guilty and they don't want to change their ways. It's a deadly combination. The nation of Israel is going to experience bloodshed, captivity, and some rough years. Why? Because they've forgotten God. They still knew some stuff about God, but they had basically forgotten Him. And chapter 4 continues this way in verse 2. You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. That is why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea are disappearing. Don't point your fingers at someone else and try and pass the blame. My complaint, you priests, is with you, so you will stumble in broad daylight and your false prophets will fall with you in the night. And I will destroy Israel, your mother, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, 
I refuse to recognize you as my priest since you have forgotten the laws of your God. I will forget to bless your children. Wow! Now, lest you think this is completely about the priests, it's not. Between verse 3 and verse 4, there's kind of this change that happens. Verse, verses 2 and 3 are about the people, about the nation. Verse 4 is, starts this speaking about the priests. The prosecution is making their case. Unfortunately for Israel, the case is being made by God. And God's always right. The complaint lodged here against the people and the priests is that the people are making terrible decisions to merge worship of Baal and the God. The prosecutor in the case that I was sitting in the jury for had charged the defendant with theft over $50. They provided evidence such as a receipt of the items that have been recovered and body cam footage from the arresting officer, as well as testimony from a loss prevention officer from an arts. The prosecutor made their case, and the defense attorney cross-examined the witnesses. The downside of the case of Hosea and Israel was there was no reason for cross-examination. God made the judgment, and His judgment was right. The nation of Israel had for years refused to turn from, from their wickedness and follow God. And they were about to pay a large price for going their own way. What was the problem of Hosea's day? The people had prostituted themselves to other gods. That's the exact reason for Hosea marrying Gomer and their lives being an illustration of the relationship between God and Israel at that point. You know, Pastor Mike did an incredible job of laying out for us the, the, the foundation point of Hosea and going from chapters 1 to chapter 3 last week. And we see the, the, the foundation of Hosea, the story, and all those things. And I think we're just going to continue on here. And this is where that case is being made. You know, oftentimes, when we are caught, when we are found guilty or we've been accused of something and we realize we are wrong, we admit it on some level that we're guilty, that we're wrong, but sometimes, oftentimes, it's just enough to get us out of trouble and not truly repent. And that appears what's happened here in Hosea and with the nation of Israel. And if we jump to Hosea chapter 6, we'll see that. In verse 1, it says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now He will heal us. He has injured us. Now He will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, He will restore us so that we may live in His presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know Him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn 
or the coming of rains in early spring. Like, doesn't that sound amazing? It sounds like the nation of Israel is just like, oh, we are so sorry. We, we, we repent. We're, we're gonna, we're, they're saying the right words. Unfortunately, they're saying them to God. And He sees through words. Here's where my jury duty experience kind of veers from Israel, right? The defendant in my case makes no effort to repent. In fact, he had fallen asleep during the jury selection process. His girlfriend or wife was snoring in the back of the courtroom. I thought it was a potential juror. I found out at lunchtime it was his girlfriend or wife, whoever it was. During the trial, at one point during cross-examination, the defense attorney walks over to the defendant and wakes him up. Right? Like we're talking completely disinterested. Israel, it appears, in chapter 6, is turning the corner and is repenting. But God sees differently. And God sees that it's just a surface repentance. Sort of going to placate the accuser, which has to be God but it doesn't work. Sort of what happens to the dew in the morning. It looks amazing. It looks like things are in the midst of the summer. You know, this year is a little weird because we get rain all the time. But but normally in Kansas, dew in the morning of a summer, you know, you see that dew and you're like, oh my goodness, there's actually moisture in this world. But as soon as the sun comes up, it just bakes it off. Or if you continue on, God responds to Israel in verse 4. O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asked the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. I want you to show love, not all for sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. The real repentance that God is looking for from the nation of Israel was not words. It wasn't sacrifices. It was in action. It was in true repentance. It was in showing love and knowing God. You know, we didn't talk about it earlier, but, but it's this knowing God is not about knowing facts. Those are important. It's important to know about God. It's important to know things about God. We need to study God's Word. We need to understand who God is. But we must live out His words in the world in which we live. Our lives must reflect the work of God in our lives. 
Not, not a surface relationship, but a relationship that directs every part of our lives. The kind of relationship that makes us change our behaviors, that makes us lie awake at night thinking about what God is working in us and how He can use us. We can't be thinking back to what God, when God did something amazing in our lives. Now, we need to remember those things, but when we remember those things, they ought to be fuel for faith for the future. We can't live looking in a rearview mirror. We must live today asking God, what are you doing through me now? What is my life to be? Look, in all of us, all of us, are tempted to look around the room or around our country and around places and say, we aren't as bad as so-and-so. Someone else is not the target. Looking like and acting like God is. When we look for a comparison, do not look earthly. Look heavenly. But how much do I look like Jesus? How much do I act like Jesus? What am I becoming like? Am I becoming like Christ every day? Every one of us must look at our lives and recognize there are places we need to repent and come back to God. That is the message of Hosea. Look, it's easy. To say, I would never fall asleep in a courtroom. And you're probably right. But have we fallen asleep in the midst of moments when God was trying to use us to make a difference in someone else's life? And we didn't even notice, and worse yet, even care. Since we are all human, and for the most part, Americans, it's probably safe to say every one of us could use to live a little less selfishly in some areas of our lives. We have bought into the religion of our day called self. I'm not suggesting we need to kick ourselves to the curb, but there is a decent amount of selfishness in our lives that doesn't come from a perspective of love for God or love for people. Thursday afternoon at jury duty. All the witnesses were called. There weren't many. A couple police officers. Loss prevention guy from Menards. And someone that worked for the public defender's office who had taken some pictures of some items. So we're ready for closing arguments. But the court has some homework to do or some housework to do. And 
before closing arguments, so it's a little after four, and they think they've got good 30 minutes to work through. And so they're afraid that by the time they're done with that, if it goes a little longer, they think that it's going to be too late and we won't have time to work through this. So the judge sends us home and we're to come back Friday morning. Friday morning was interesting. One of the jurors overslept. Wasn't me. <laughs> ha! But almost way worse. Because the jurors overslept worked in the courthouse. <laughs> Word, because <laughs> they called her work and said, hey, is so-and-so there? No, she's got jury duty. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> so she arrived 30 minutes late, was apologetic, felt terrible. So we think we're about to finish this deal. The judge comes in a few moments later. So I've got good news, bad news. Bad news is I've declared a mistrial. The good news is you get to go home. You've fulfilled your jury requirements. Well, that's exactly what we came back here for today. Um, we were just looking forward to that. Declared a mistrial because the defendant didn't show up, even given a 30-minute extra window by one of the jurors. He also said that the defense attorney would like to speak with us if we were willing. The defense attorney was a public defender, and honestly, I was grateful for the opportunity to talk to her. And here's why. I was stunned by the work that she had done. We're talking about the difference between shoplifting of over $50 or shoplifting of under $50. But over 50 was a felony, and he'd never had one. And under 50 was not. The felony would carry with him forever in his life. And she worked really hard to defend him because she felt he was not guilty. I told her that sentiment. I said, look, I'm, I'm impressed by the work that you went through to defend somebody who obviously didn't care. in a lot of ways, didn't deserve. I'll tell you how powerful the work that she did was. There was a lady that served in the jury with me who said this publicly to all of us jurors and directly to her. She said, I just went through a messy divorce. My lawyer was terrible. I sure wish you had been my lawyer. The final application is this. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We did not deserve it. And God sends His Son to step into a moment to purchase our forgiveness. When we look at the book of Hosea and we study what's happening in Israel, part of the deal was God was constantly sending prophets to the people to try and get them to turn their ways because He really didn't want to wipe them out. He didn't want to bring pain. But there's justice. 
It has to be served. And Jesus is the one who takes what we deserve. We sung about it this morning in worship. He takes upon himself what we couldn't do. He pays a price that we couldn't pay. He purchases for us our salvation and our forgiveness. Verse 9 says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore He is able once and forever to save those who come to God through Him. He lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. Oh, we have a great defender who's making intercession. Did we deserve it? Oh, no, we didn't. We ought to put ourselves in a place of the defendant sleeping in the courtroom because that's who we were. Jesus comes to bring freedom for us. He comes to bring forgiveness for us. God's grace is so amazing. And we must rest in that. And that Jesus is interceding for us. That does not absolve us from our responsibility to listen and obey the words and directions and commands of God. Not to obtain salvation, but out of our love relationship with our Savior, we ought to be doing the work that He's called us to do. That is what it is about. So I want us to finish with a question. And then we're going to pray. And, and as we pray, I want to challenge you with a couple thoughts. I want to challenge you with, what are the places of my life that I need God's forgiveness in? What are the places where I need to repent. Look again. There is not one of us in this room that's exempt from that question. Myself included. We all need to allow the Holy Spirit to conform us more into the image of Jesus. So we're all on equal footing here. We're the defendant to sleep in the courtroom. But I also want to ask you this question. And I want you to ponder this as we pray. If you were on trial for being a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict? If you were on trial for being a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict. 
Yes, evidence from yesteryear. Evidence from days gone by. But current evidence. Are we reflecting Jesus? When people look at us, or would it be that people would make the same accusation that God made against us, that we've forgotten God, that we don't have any knowledge of God, and that knowledge wasn't just information, it was practice, obedience. Is there enough evidence to convict? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for what you are doing in all of our lives. In this moment, Lord, I ask that we will simply, quietly listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and allow you to put your finger, your spotlight on our lives. That we... will listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we will walk out of here completely clean before you today and turning once again afresh and anew towards you that we literally will recognize places of our lives that we need to turn and come closer to you and walk away from things that are keeping us from being the people that you want us to be in this world. Lord, may your forgiveness and grace flood over us that we will recognize how good you are but Lord, we also recognize how much we have strayed. That we will recognize that we need to turn our hearts once again completely and totally to you. And that we will be the people of God that are needed in this world. Lord, that you won't have a case against us like you did against Israel but you will have a case for us. Lord, thank you for Jesus, for bringing us freedom and hope. Lord, help us to live in that and in obedience to you to do your work. Lord, I thank you for it. God, do what you want to do in these moments. Lord, may we truly pour our hearts out to you, humble ourselves before you, and turn towards you maybe like never before. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room who's never made a commitment to follow you, or those who have made a commitment but yet recognize they have strayed greatly from you. Lord, may this be a day when they turn towards you and experience the love that we're going to talk about so wonderfully next week. But Lord, that they will turn and recognize your grace and your mercy today. 
but may that grace and mercy drive them towards obedience and love toward you and toward fellow men. Lord, may all of us respond to your presence today. In Jesus' name.